Hello, and welcome to Second Helpings, a Grace Fellowship podcast designed to serve up another round of insight and application from our Sunday morning corporate worship gatherings. Pull up, dig in, and get filled as we take another taste of God's greatness. Well, hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Second Helpings. We are glad to have you. Um, I'm gathered here with Pastor Dan. We're going to talk about the message that was preached this past week on... We're we're starting back into Timothy, Mm -hmm. but another Timothy this time. We're starting into Second Timothy. So kind of kicking us off with chapter one uh, and doing some overview there. Uh, first, thank you. It was good. Yeah. Think well, about these good. things. <laughs> Waiting for the day to say that was terrible. <laughs> Maybe that's what Second Helpings is. We'll turn it into Monday morning quarterback. So good yeah. message, Dan, but <laughs> don't ever do that again. Yeah. Well, here's the, th- I mean, for, like kind of peek behind the curtain. We all do that to ourselves. Oh, yeah. Every time. So. Like playing golf. Yeah. You yeah. were great about the last hole, but this one really stunk. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Um, so anyway, yeah, getting in, thinking about the background for how this um, this letter is going to start and what we're going into. Um, I want to ask you a question, and you talked about it, but we're titling the series Urgent, yeah. right? And I think that's, and you, and you talked about it well, but maybe for, for those that didn't pick up on it, just kind of a recap of why Urgent? Why is that the theme that you're picking out here? Yeah, I think the idea of Urgent living with the end in view is because that's exactly what Paul was doing. He was writing, he knew his end has come ever since Acts 29, when Agabus had prophesied that he's going to be delivered over the Gentiles. He had been arrested multiple times. This is the final time. He's in a prison that's notorious for uh, people being the last place that they stay. He's already had one preliminary hearing. Everybody takes off. So all these signs are stacking up. And so whatever Paul is going to tell to Timothy is really important because it's his last words. It's his last thoughts. It's his last chance to help him as the clock is winding down on his life to help Timothy understand this really matters. Don't mess this up. Don't miss this. Don't forget this. Uh, don't get this wrong. And so that's why the idea of urgent would come from because this is the last writing he does. And so when he puts the last letter down, the pen goes down, then he is, life is taken. So it's important. It just shows that ability when time is, is drawing to a close, you become very focused. And I think that there's an underlying kind of undertow to the entire letter that's really important that speaks not only to the content, but speaks to the mentality. Yeah. And so that's why we called it urgent living with the end in view. Yeah. I think it's, I think one of the really cool things about this is you see the urgency in Paul in his talking to Timothy. So the urgency of knowing maybe this is the, the maybe the last few interactions we're going to have with Timothy or whatever, but it's still really Pauline. Like mm. it's kind of, you know, Paul has got a, uh, it's not hard to read Paul and go, oh, that's so Paul, right? We've yeah. got a lot of them. Yeah. Um, and I think it's interesting because there's a sense in where, I mean, Paul's kind of always living his life urgently, right? Like yeah, he's living his life true. either by these priorities, true. but so he doesn't necessarily change, which I think is encouraging and the idea of he does know what's in front of him, hmm. but he's thinking, okay, I want to get these things out. I want to be able to convey them. So it's the, um, I, I just hoped, I was thinking to myself, I want to live in such an intentional way that if I do know there's just a little bit of time left, the urgency wouldn't change in the way I'm living, hmm. but it might change in the way I'm espousing some things or getting information to people. Not that we ever look to scripture to look for heroes or anything like that, sure. but it is nice to see that example in there. Yeah. And I think it's unique because 
you see how Christ lived that. He knew his end was coming. Yeah. And then you see Paul sees that. Well, that's a very unique thing. Most Christians, 99.9%, will never have a prophet go, hey, you're going to be bound in hand over the Gentiles. And so therefore, there's this juxtaposition tension that we feel. They go, I don't have that, but am I living urgently enough? Am I sorting through? And so I think that for many of us, we just live on the plane of, help me to get the trivial out of my life to major in the important, and then let me do that every day so I have that feeling or that that push of urgency. Yeah. But it's in some ways, it's it's hard to truly compare ourselves. Oh, yeah. But it's put there so that we go, he was faithful to the end, just like Christ was faithful to the end. Yeah. So no matter what I find myself in, no matter what situation, thank you, Lord, that you promised me that I have all the resources necessary to be faithful to the end as well. Yeah, that's really good. That Years ago, when I was a younger man, um, people would ask me, because I was trying to think about how to remind myself of this, right? Um, this concept of living on purpose and being intentional. People say, how you're doing? And I would say, I'm dying. Like it's the, I still say that actually. I just don't articulate it. It doesn't come out of my mouth. Do you keep walking quickly? <laughs> well, I mean, you know me, do I? Yes. I mean, I, kinda, I don't do a, I don't do slow too well. Um, but the idea of um, reprogramming my mind to think, I, obviously that's not the question they're asking, so yeah, that's why I don't respond sure. that way. But I do use it as a prompt for myself to remember every moment. I, I think I have an unlimited amount of breath. And that is not true, yeah. right? It's our, that portion has already been set aside and I'm using it moment to moment. Um, not to be glib, right? It's to be thoughtful about mm. using what we've been given um, and not to be like super, don't waste your time, don't waste your time. But at the same time, don't waste your time, don't waste your time. I mm. want to use what's been here well and use it for the glory of God. Everything that's been put into me being poured out for others. Yeah, and what's really helpful is when you see the qualities we walk through on Sunday, that he it was urgent, but he was also lonely. Mm. He was urgent in the sense, this is really important, he's also distressed about the, the false teaching that's still happening in Ephesus. He's urgent, but he's measuring his days. And so that's fostering that. So I don't think there's an, like an exclusive, we can live with that kind of intentionality and focus. I think it is, we live in a world in which we have all sorts of stuff that's moving through us. And so we need to ask the Lord to be gracious and kind and helpful, particularly helping us order our days. Yes. Because none of us can program this uh, in a way that we would go, I would love to live like that, but we can't. And so I think that you just have to be conscious of his presence and pursuing him. And uh, that's why you need brothers and sisters in Christ who can encourage you in that, because none of us do that really well. Yeah. Well, and you think about the, talking about the idea of these, these priorities. Um, you don't want to think about your priorities when you're in a given situation. Those are things you want to set aside beforehand. In our family, we actually talk about this yearly, like kind of what are our priorities, what we're doing, and how mm -hmm. we're honoring the Lord. And I encourage people to do that with themselves. What is my overall life framed around? Mm. And then when you're in a situation, despairing, or you can be in a situation that is properly calling for distress, you're not going, okay, now how do I need to line my life up? You're reacting to those priorities that have already been instilled within you. Yeah. And I, I, something that kind of a tangent, I was paying attention, but a tangent from something you said. So if, 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 I, was, if I was over here, it was your fault. <laughs> um, but thinking about the idea of Paul... Paul, and in all his letters, he has so many things that he can speak to. Mm. I think we forget about the cultural context, and you talked about this a little bit. Mm. He was living in a terrible cultural context. Oh, Rome was a 
not only were they an oppressive society, they were proud of it. Like they were set up in such a way. He could have spoke to tons of Mm. stuff. And I don't think he had his head in the sand. Mm. I don't think there's reason for us to think that. He was an alert guy, but he chose to speak about certain things because he had a certain priority. Safe to assume he had a certain priority structure in his life for how to think about living. Yeah, and I think that kept him from being manipulated by getting into a lot of things he could have talked about. So when you look at everywhere from 49 AD, and we know this from Acts chapter 18, the Jews were kicked out of Rome. So he could have spoke about that. He could have spoke about that kind of oppression, that that's wrong. He doesn't do that. So by the time we roll into the early 60 ADs, uh, the pressure is totally amped up. You've got Nero on the throne since 54, and you have him really moving into his madness time. And so he is doing all sorts of stuff, but you don't find any of that explicitly in Second Timothy. You see him speaking to it, and some might say, well, he wasn't in... Uh, Nero wasn't having an effect in Ephesus as much as Rome. Well, clearly anybody who would say that would not know the Roman Empire. <laughs> it had its effect because it dominated. Yeah. And so I think that's really important. A conversation I had after uh, an individual mentioned felt convicted that they seem to know a lot that's going on on the world stage, the national stage. They're really animated, making comments, engaging with people on it. But one of the things that they felt convicted of is they're animated on those things, but they don't really know the person in the cubicle next to them, or they certainly haven't given the gospel. So one of the things that uh, I think that's really important, applicable for us is, just because we can know things that are happening politically in the national or international stage, do you know the person next to you? Yeah. Do you have uh, engaged them in conversation? Have you engaged them in serving them or praying for them? The person that you see regularly at the supermarket, the neighbor you see, do you know them? Do you know their story? I think as Americans in the world we live, we can think we are about kingdom work because we know political stuff and we speak out against certain issues. But is really that disciple making? Is that really kingdom work? Or is it almost like a placebo? We're kind of amusing ourselves thinking we're making a difference. And so that's one of the things. How are we making disciples? Because in the midst of uh, Paul's situation, one of the palpable things in this letter is he's completely and utterly consumed on making disciples. Mm-hmm. Whether that's stamping out yes. false teaching, whether that's getting the gospel right, he is set on the last words of Christ because he knows his last words are coming. Yeah, that's really good. He's ur- he, what he is urgent about in here is getting this information to Timothy to carry on this work of mm-hmm. disciple making. Totally. Yeah, so that's a good, I think you, you talked about something, the idea of you can be busy and not effective in disciple oh, yeah. making, right? And that's good. I hadn't really thought about that, but kind of making ourselves think, well, I can get vetted in this thing, whatever it may be, and I'm giving a godly perspective on it. Therefore, I'm consumed with the things of the kingdom. Mm. I don't know. You could talk about the kingdom and not be consumed in it. Totally. Matter of fact, I've been recently reading about uh, the exile in Israel in exile. What was the perspective? Uh, what's a godly perspective? Jeremiah's perspective was... Work for the betterment of the city. Yeah. Go in. Uh, be be in the city, but not of the city. Be distinct. And then you have prophets that were raising up going, no, stay outside of the city. Yeah. Pray against the city. Uh, this isn't going to come to an end. We're going to be released. And so in that message, you see, how weird is that? If we apply that today, a lot of people are saying, stay out, stay disengaged, uh, curse the city, speak out against it, raise up, you know, kind of the right. And I would say that uh, we have to evaluate, is that is that really the appropriate thing? I think very often we speak out against things, and this is this is, comes from a deeper place where people evaluate. There are times we speak out against greed or immorality or idolatry. 
And sometimes, if we're really honest, we speak out not because God's holy and against it, but because we can't participate in mm. it, and we're ripped. If, if they, if we can't do it, they shouldn't either. Mm. In other words, I think we gauge our sincerity whether or not we're burdened or grieved for people mm. who are in it and caught in it, as Paul told Timothy, taken captive by the devil. Uh, mm. And so I think that we've got to be very careful, because I think that we can carry on crusades that are more serving our desires than the kingdom values that we talked about on Sunday. Yeah. Uh, guard your own heart, right? Like the yeah. idea that yeah, I, I would hate to be, I would hate to spend my life consuming something that I didn't really stop to think about. Am I actually seeking the kingdom of God first here? It's been years and years on that and think like, what did I, what did I do? What did I waste oh, my boy. time on? Right. Um, so I, I do want to point out too, and I, and I think because maybe just the nature of the world that we live in right now, I think it's important for us to say that doesn't mean things that are happening in the world are unimportant. Mm. We're not saying that, Mm-mm. right? No. They are important, yeah. but we're saying that they need to be properly subordinated to things that are more important. So the idea of, I heard somebody say, well, I don't see how you can be a Christian and not be involved in social issues. I thought, I hear what you're saying and mm. what you're saying could be true. But what I would rather say is, as I'm following Christ and doing that, I'm going to have an impact in social issues. Yeah. But if your focus is first that, it's a good sign that you're already off kilter. And I think you see that in Paul. You see that in other biblical writers, Mm. that their context was not simple and benign. It was complicated, abusive. Uh, Peter, the other guys are still writing in this. And it's not that they said... Another thing that I think is common here, oh, they didn't talk about it because they were afraid. They're afraid of reprisals. Uh, you might be able to try that on whoever's on the internet right now, but don't be throwing that junk on like Paul no, and no, Peter. They're basically saying, come get, if you want a reason, right? There's a reason these guys end up in prison. Um, so I just think if we weigh that out, I don't even say weigh it out. If we are busy about pursuing the glory of God in our lives, pursuing the things of the kingdom, you can't put your head in the sand about these things, yeah. but you'll properly interact with them. And I, I don't think that the great commandment or great commission doesn't speak to it. So, for example, in Matthew 28, where it says, go into all the world, or the better idea is, as you are going. So it's assumed. Yep. If we're salt and light, if we're the city on, set on a hill, there's hope that we carry with us. There's... Uh, a distinction in the saltiness that we carry with us. As we are going, it is natural to think we are pursuing causes that have value like justice and other things. There should never be the assumption that a Christian should somehow get on the cause of social justice. We're all over We're already there. (laughs) But the idea then that that should become the preeminent thing, that disciple-making will happen later after we get the country executing into the social justice to make sure everything's even. Well, I would just ask people, uh, how do we know when we arrive mm-hmm. at social? In other words, we don't. We never will. That's why 22. Yeah, there you go. So that's why the gospel is paramount. But it doesn't mean to the exclusion of social justice or voting well or pro-life. All those things are good causes. But as you said, they're subordinate to the mission we've been given. But as we're doing the mission, as we are going, we carry Christ with us. We're constantly advocating for things that his heart breaks over and he bends towards, and we are that in the world. Yeah. So it's a it's a both and, not neither or. Yeah. I think that's a great I think that's a great thing to bring up for Matthew. If you don't know the the 
the purpose of Matthew is Matthew is writing a book about what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. It's mm-hmm. this kind of, um, they did this in the ancient world, and that's kind of how Matthew's book is formed. That's why the Beatitudes are there, and it's formed the way it is. And the culmination of that is, is to be a, a disciple of Jesus, mm-hmm. is to go make disciples of Jesus, right? Yeah. And that is not a partial thing. It is meant to be, this is it. This is what we're about. Mm-hmm. So everything else must fall in that context. Um, I I, th- I think maybe what sometimes we miss sometimes, I think it's easy to see this in Paul in both these letters to Timothy, actually, but in a lot of his stuff. He is such a liberated guy. Like, I don't feel like, mm-hmm. I don't, <laughs> I want to use that. He is so free. Of, mm. He does not care about what the world thinks. He says that. He says, who am I talking for now, right? Yeah. I think of the, was that Second Corinthians where yeah. he said, I'm pleasing nobody, right? Yeah. But there's not a, he's not bound to that. He's freed because he is about proclaiming God's glory and helping people to see and enjoy mm. that. And I just, I know uh, to, to speak to other people, I think I could put these words in your mouth and the words of anybody that's doing ministry for a long time. There is a liberation in knowing what you're about mm. and being content on doing that. Um, sometimes it can come across as arrogance or cockiness to some people, but that's not it. We just know what we're doing and why we're doing it. Yeah, when you really understand, sink your teeth into the purpose for God's existence and how that extrapolates out to who we are, who we're called to be as Christ followers, life becomes not easy. But it's certainly not complex. Mm. It becomes very understandable. Then you can measure yourself and your activities in light of that. That on the backside of that is a tremendous amount of liberty. When people are saying, what's the will of God? I haven't for a long time struggled with that because it's really clear what it is. Now, it's not when people focus, what's the will of God? Should I buy a house here or should I have a job here? Hold on a second. That'll take care of itself. Major on the will of God expressed, and then you'll get the ramifications of it in those daily decisions. But just essentially actively do what you know God wants you to do, and then everything else works out. Everything else falls in. And so, uh, again, I think that that's that's a a lion's share of what Paul has told Timothy over the years, and now he's bringing his attention back to specific things in his leadership at the Church of Ephesus so they could be healthy, so they can help other people understand that dynamic. Yeah. And that's and isn't that great? When you were living with that kind of perspective, you get the, I mean, to Timothy, my beloved child, mm-hmm. grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father. I think we, just, we hear that so often from Paul, but you think about where he's writing, what he's facing, what's going mm-hmm. on. And his first thoughts to Timothy are grace, mercy, yeah. and peace yeah. in the midst of all this. Yeah. So that's good stuff, man. Well, is there anything, any other part of the bone there, meat left on the bone you want to be able to to get to? I know you got yeah. another message coming up that's still kind of an intro. Yeah. So. yeah, yeah. I'd encourage people to make the connection as we're going through this. Make the connection between the things he talked about in the first letter and in what was being spoken or had been spoken to the Church of Ephesus in the book of Ephesians. If you triangulate those three, there's a few guys I'm working with who I'm having doing all that, yeah. you'll really create this incredible framework that will really help you understand what was going on so that when you attach that subject going on there to what's going on in our world today, you'll be able to create a game plan. Yeah in order how do you face that how do you see it how do you face it how do you move through this and it just can be a rich rich study because it's not meant to be alone so first timothy second timothy and um ephesians are this if you triangulate the content uh it can be a rich and meaningful exposition to see christ uh through these letters yeah 
That's probably that's something you could definitely spend a lot of time in. But you could also you could probably read all three of those letters in an hour. Oh yeah, right? do that in a night or something like that, and, and even maybe dwell on it. And I tell people print them off, print off oh, each yeah. letters on paper, do it about. Uh, six to 10 space and just use that devotionally be read read through them so i'd read through ephesus or ephesians first timothy then second timothy and just do that multiple times as we go through the study you'll start making cross connections in ridiculous ways and your understanding of the word will be enriched in tremendous ways so you'll see that bleeding out into your life decisions that's good that's good stuff well, thank you, brother. Thank yeah. you for uh, the message. Thank you for this time. Look forward to uh, getting more into this book and uh, having it bless us. I, I, I'm always just so appreciative for how on our Sunday mornings we're able to get in the Word of God. Mm. We're not in there to come away with three points to do something that's pointless. <laughs> yeah. so I always think about, here's four points on how to do something that has no point. What's yeah, that? three ways to build a treehouse. <laughs> But we're there, you know, sinking in. And it's always good. Love doing it with you. Love doing it with the brothers and sisters that we have here. So yeah. thank you, Dan. Yeah. Thank you, viewers, uh, our brothers and sisters here at Grace Fellowship. We look forward to uh, seeing you in worship, and we look forward to seeing you next time on Second Helpings. Mm-hmm.